This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back coming at you with the Primetime Podcast right here on Most Valuable Podcast, your one-stop shop for, I say, all of college sports, but let's be honest, we usually dive into college basketball and college football, have not touched uh, college volleyball yet. Haven't looked at college baseball, college softball, a little bit of college badminton. Haven't dove into any of those. Just basketball and football are our main two. And today's a big one, Brandon, because uh, last week we had the NBA big board. And this week we got another big board, this time on the foosball side of things. I'm going to be big boarded out. I'm going (laughs) to be big boarded out. Brandon's like, I'm going to be big boarded out. When's our next? I'm actually going to look at that right now. Pull up our schedule. Our next big board after this one will be NFL. We don't have one until February 4th, so we get a lengthy time off with that. Our next NBA big board is the end of December. So end of December, and then with that one, we get two months off because the third one for that one is at the end of February. So it's usually two back-to-back And then we get that break for each one. So this one, NFL, how we do it is if you're new, we go 1 through 25. We start with 25 through 16, kind of talk about some things there. Go 16, what would that be? Then 15 through 6, talk about some things there. Then we go with our top five. Before we get into everything, though, quick housekeeping. Make sure to check out patreon.com backslash Podcast. That's where you can help support us. Make sure that we can do everything that we love doing for you guys each and every week, and we would not be able to without the help of our patrons. So we thank them each and every podcast. Also, make sure to get yourself an MVP t-shirt, another way to help support us. That is either in our shop down below in the description or at mostvaluablepodcast.com where you can catch MVP each and every day. And then last but not least, please go over to iTunes and Apple Podcasts. I have to do my, I only do it for the primetime podcast. I don't do it for Rick and Johnny. I don't do it for the onside kick. Do you think we got any new rates this week, Brandon? I'm going to go with no again. Let's see. Uh, For the primetime podcast, I'm going to pull it up right here. Oh, we did. Oh, we did. We got a new one. Is it Uh, good or bad? This one is from, this would be Tutu Boyvier. Tutu Boyvier. Um, these guys are awesome. Gave us a five-star rating. He said, these guys do a great job talking basketball and football. It's hard to find good college basketball coverage, but these guys are awesome. Loving the NBA big boards with a basketball emoji. So oh, you can tell oh. he did it on the phone. So thank you to Tutu Boy. So it's Tutu, like T-U-T-U, boy, and then V-I-E-R. Would that boy veer? Boyvier? Is that how you... Tutu Boyvier. That's basically how I'm going to say it. And basically, thank you for... That was from Wednesday that he nice. did that. So right Very after nice. we put out our NBA Big Board number one, thank you for that rating. And you can rate the Primetime Podcast, too, on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. But, Brandon, let's go ahead and just dive right into this Big Board. It's been about, let's say, four minutes of me rambling on it. People are like, guys, get through the Big Board. We want to know who's there, and who you're going to talk about. So what we'll do is 25 through 16. I'll have you start with 25. Give us your first section 
of your NFL Big Board 2.0. Ricky, I'd be happy to. So to start things off, at 25, I've got the wide receiver from Buffalo, Anthony Johnson. At 24, Raekwon Davis, the defensive lineman from Alabama. At 23, Ja'Kai Polite, the offense, the, pardon me, no, yeah, no. Ja'Kai. No, yeah. Ja'Kai Polite. Yeah, I got that right. Uh, The uh, linebacker from Florida. At number 22, Brian Burns, the linebacker slash defensive end from Florida State. At 21, Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle from Mississippi State. At number 20, Devin Bush, the linebacker from Michigan. At 19, Julian Love, the cornerback from Notre Dame. At 18, Deontay Thompson, the safety from Alabama. At 17, the wide receiver from Ole Miss, A.J. Brown. And at 16, David Montgomery, the running back from Iowa State. Well, and then we'll dive right into mine. At number 25, Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver from Herm Edwards, Arizona State Sun Devils. Then number 24, Noah Fant, the tight end from the Iowa Hawkeyes. He's actually... Fully declared, I believe, said he's going to the NFL draft, not staying with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Then I got Brian Burns, the edge rusher out of Florida State. Then Montez Sweat, one of my big fallers this time around, the defensive end from Mississippi State. Then Deontay Thomas or Deontay Thompson, the safety from Alabama, roll tied. Then a guy that might not like Thompson too much, and that is Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from the Auburn War Eagle. Tigers. Then at number 19, Julian Love, the cornerback from the playoff-bound Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Then at 18, Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle and teammate to Montez Sweat at Mississippi State. Then at 17, my most loved name in this year's NFL draft, Marquise Hollywood Brown, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. He is also playoff-bound and then also playoff-bound as well. The first Clemson Tiger on my big board, Christian Wilkins, the defensive tackle, like I've already said, from the Clemson Tigers. And, Brandon, the first thing I want to hit in this first part of our big board was, number one is the wide receivers, because a lot of these wide receivers have fallen for us within this range. There's no wide receiver that's going to be like that number one, number two, that Amari Cooper type, that Justin Blackman when we were putting those guys in like the top five, the top 10. A lot of these wide receivers are 16 through 25. The ones that I have, obviously, Hollywood Brown, Nikhil, um, Harry, you went with Anthony Johnson, A.J. Brown um, in yours. What is your thought right now after the regular season is over, before we enter bowl season, about this wide receiver group? Because this might be one where we see guys, I'm going to compare it to like a DJ Moore, where it's like, could they be bottom of the first round guys? Yes, but I wouldn't be surprised if only one of them go in the bottom of the first round and the rest are like early day two guys for round number two. Yeah, no, that's absolutely what I'm thinking. Well, I know for for me, my guys, A.J. Brown and Anthony Johnson, Mm -hmm. they've fallen, but they haven't fallen out Mm -hmm. of my top 25, and it's because... I, I think that there's still a lot that they showed this year. There's 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 a lot of good things that they did. Um, there's there's what you can see is from their seasons in the past. They've been able to build on that. They've been able to still continue to to produce for their teams. That's why I think that definitely this is one of those situations where 
they could be an end of the first round into the second round type of thing. Mm-hmm. We're not talking, you know, all the way in the third, the fourth, or anything like that. Now, maybe they, maybe they do because of other things that they need, but I still think at the same time, these wide receivers, some of these wide receivers have proven to be very good talents and very good playmakers on their respective teams. Mm-hmm. And for me, the the kind of I've got one that I'm super excited for. Obviously, he's the highest receiver on mine, Marquise Hollywood Brown, because this is a kid every time that like I get these I get that he's sub six foot, so he's not gonna be like that wide receiver where it's like, throw it up, let him go get it. But this is a kid for me where every time I watch him play, and it could be also that he's playing with a Heisman-level quarterback in Kyler Murray, but and it could also be because he's in a great offense that fits him in Lincoln Riley's um, OU offense. But I just I look at this guy, and I go, you know what? He's a guy that's got the acceleration, the burst, the speed, where it's basically like fly routes. If he can outrun the corner, he is going to outrun that corner and get you a huge gain. If you've got a quarterback that can huck it and chuck it in the NFL, he's going to go ahead and go get it. The guy that I'm questioning is the guy that's number one for the wide receivers out of you, and that's A.J. Brown. Not necessarily of a... Not necessarily of a, like, oh, can he be at the next level? Because I think he can. The thing I think that kind of puts a negative on A.J. Brown to me, and this is also, like, some of the other guys that I like, because all of this is who you like, who you don't like, too. And, like, you look at Mal Kuyper, you look at Todd McShay, you look at the other big boards, and a lot of the thing that you got to take in with a small grain of salt to me is their production in college where you'll see some where it's like, oh, this guy, I've got him lower because his production was less. And I think for me, that's my problem with A.J. Brown is he's 6'1", 225. He's got the skills to be a wide receiver at the next level. He can be an effective route runner at the next level. But should his production this year, I'm going to say mainly because Ole Miss wasn't that great of a team and he didn't have Shea Patterson throwing to him this year, should we look at that with just like a little grain of salt or should that be like, ah, you know what, we're going to take that into consideration this year for why he's lower than many of us had him before the season started? Well, in 2017, Ricky, um, he had 75 catches for over 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. In 2018, he upped his catch total to 85. He upped his receiving yards total to over 1,300. He, the only place he lowered was... In touchdowns with six, and he and his his uh, average per catch mm-hmm. it was sixteen point seven and seventeen, fifteen point five and eighteen. AJ Brown has still been a quality talent. Mm-hmm. AJ Brown without 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 him over there, Ole Miss is worse than five and seven. Mm-hmm. And no, I think that if you look at it, you say if Shea Patterson's there, this guy had a chance for a hundred, a hundred catches, fifteen hundred yards. Maybe um, come close to the 11 touchdowns again. Mm-hmm. This is a good player. This is a guy who went up in a lot of categories this year. He's someone who I think certainly will be one of the best wide receivers looked at in this upcoming draft. And there's always play- teams that need wide receivers. The Jets would be one of them. They have nothing. Um, A.J. Brown, I think, could be a perfect fit for a for a team 
uh, tough receiver, uh, plays hard, can go up and and, mm-hmm. and really um, uh, point the football. Um, you know, I think that he's uh, he's a guy who will not be going away. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think. And like I know for me the and I pulled up the other stats for the other two wide receivers as well with the um, Harry and Hollywood Brown. Most of them are they're first off all over. 1,000-yard receivers, but the biggest kind of difference between them, and this is, of course, I'm going to relate this like what we did to the Duke guys in the NBA big board with splitting some hairs here, where Hollywood Brown was just over 1,300 yards right now, 17.6 yards per catch, 10 TDs. Then you've got Harry, who's just over 1,000 yards, so about 300 yards less than the other two, but he's got 14.9 on his average per catch, nine touchdowns. And then you look at A.J. Brown, where this year, like you said, he's in that 1,300-yard range like Hollywood Brown. He's more towards the Nikhil Harris at 15.5 per average. I think it's a touchdown number. That's six touchdown numbers. The only thing that kind of... Looking at the stats is a little bit of a negative compared to but, the other two. But, but it's not significant. But, it's not that significant. But, all, but I would put in there, and this is the argument that I would say, especially if you're putting in Marquise Brown to A.J. Brown, or, yeah, A.J. Brown to Marquise Brown, is one has a Heisman-level quarterback, the other one does not. And if this old Miss team still had Shea Patterson, like you said, he'd probably be at that 11-touchdown mark that he was at last year. Do you think any of these guys, before we move on to the last guy, I want to mention this one, do you think any of these guys makes a push either via the combine or via individual workouts? Do they push that six, that like 15 wall where it's like, you know what, I've been a 16 to 25 guy on these big boards. I'm pushing it through and I'm a top 15 guy on the big board. Just out of any of the wide receivers? Of any of Any of the four that we talked about. And you can even throw in Anthony Johnson, which would be the four. Well, I think that I think that probably any of the wide receivers that we that we mentioned could could possibly make that push mm-hmm. because we have them on our on our big board for a reason at this point. And in, and in this point, um, during the well, now getting to be the off season for you know some of the players, yeah. a lot of the players, um, and they don't uh, play bowl games. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I, th- I think a guy like an Anthony Johnson could—I don't want to say come out of nowhere—but that's kind of where mm-hmm. he came from last year. Kind of came out of nowhere, had this great season, tried to follow it up again this year. The—you the, know—the things things were a bit lower. He didn't have quite the same season as he did last last season. But I think there's still a lot of good talent uh, with this player of Anthony Johnson, mm-hmm. and I know that you obviously are are huge on your on your Hollywood Brown guy. So uh it could be a lot I, of hype, but I think, I'll be honest, I love him. I think that I think that w- what do we see a lot of the times, Ricky, when we when we get to the combine, there's always mm-hmm. always that that one or two players that you weren't they weren't get a t- they weren't even getting a ton of hype. Mm-hmm. They they weren't doing this, they weren't doing that and then and all then of a sudden boom, rocket. they just you know, they they come out of nowhere. They have great workouts. They get along really get along and and, and speak well with with the different coaches and mm-hmm. and all the and, and all the other people that are that are there. I think that you just have to be on your 
uh, we just have to be on our toes for mm-hmm. whoever that person's going to be. Here's a guy I want to move into is from offense to defense, Devin Bush, linebacker, Michigan. He's a guy who's 5'11", 233. The reason why I want to bring him up, because it looks like both you and I, let me see, yeah, both you and I are kind of tempering expectations right now, where I have him, obviously, in my top 15 somewhere. You have him in this range at 20. The main reason why I wanted to talk about him, though, and this is bringing in Mel Kuyper a little bit into this discussion is do you know exactly where if, did you look at all where Mel Kuyper had Devin Bush ranked on his latest big board? No, I have no idea. Number seven. To me, right now, like I said, we're tempering expectations a little bit. Devin Bush is a guy who is right now, I believe, like right now he's listed as a playmaker. He's a guy that can get all over the field. This year, 79 tackles, five sacks. Is I'll ask you this. Is where we're right now, the tempering expectations, the right spot for Bush? Or should we be buying in on him like it seems like Mel? Because there's always that one guy. Let's be honest. There's always that one guy where one of us falls in love with him. And on our personal big board, you look at it and go, I don't know, Ricky. That guy might be a little bit too high. But I fall in love with him. You have guys that are the same. Is this a situation where we're kind of underrating Devin Bush or is Mel Kuyper just falling in love with Devin Bush and that's why he's a top 10 talent in his big board. So where I'm at right now on him is Devin Bush is a guy who plays with a great level of energy, Mm -hmm. great toughness. The guy hits hard. Mm -hmm. You get hit by him for you and I, it's going to be tough to get up. And that's, I think that's a, that's a huge thing. He's just got great Mm -hmm. physical power. But I think this is also an area where Mel Kuyper has just fallen in love with him. And I th- I say that, I say that because you look at his stats from last year to this year, his tackles significantly down. He had a to- total tackles up near 100 last year, this year around 70. He was down in uh, tackles for a loss. Down in sacks again, not by huge numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, tackles uh, down in uh, uh, passes defended. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean that you're bad. I mean, like we were just talking with AJ Brown, he was mm-hmm. down, he was up in yards, up in yeah. catches, down in touchdowns. But I'm still saying he's not a bad player, and I'm mm-hmm. not certainly saying that Devin Bush um, is a bad player. But I also feel as though there are other guys that we'll get to later on our big board here Mm -hmm. that are better talents than he is, which is why I've got him at this point and at this level in my big board. I just think that maybe there's maybe there's something maybe there's something else that Mel Kuyper has watched that maybe I haven't that you haven't mm-hmm. that that don't quite have him at that point yet. Maybe he's seeing something else, or maybe again it's one of the, just one of those guys like you and I are with certain players, like everyone is with certain players that you just go love this guy. He's staying here, and then he's you, you put him at a pretty generous spot to begin with, and then you move him up the draft board from there, or the or the top twenty five big board from there. So that could possibly one of those be one of those situations, but I'm not sure. Only time will tell. I got a question for you. Sure, I'm going to do a little blind resume with you. Oh, I hate you. They're both Michigan players. That's your hit. So number one, they're only I'm only giving you a year. So number one. 
was also a linebacker, had 46 solo tackles, 20 assisted tackles, 66 tackles overall. Say, had, say this again. Say this again. Say, four, this, say this again. 46 solo tackles, 20 assisted tackles, 66 tackles overall, 13 tackles for loss, three sacks. Player two. They're both juniors, by the way. 41 solo tackles, 25 assisted tackles, 66 tackles overall. He had 4.5 sacks, 8.5 tackles for loss. Do you want to know who the two players were? Second one's um, uh, Devin Bush. Devin Bush. Um, and what were what were the uh, tackles for a loss on the first player? Tackles for loss, 13. Uh, I'm going with the first player. The first player, Jabril Peppers. Yeah. And that is, when I look at the size of Devin Bush, maybe it's the Michigan thing that plays into it. I right now see a Jabril Peppers type of player where think about where Jabril Peppers was drafted too. He wasn't a guy that was top of the draft. He was a later first round pick. That's what I see right now. Now, as I dissect the film during this draft process, we see the combine, we see personal workouts, things may change, but right now that is what I see. A guy who's 5'11", at 222, he's about 10 pounds bigger than what Jabril is. And I'm not saying they're the exact player, but like when I look at his size, I look at the position he plays. Now, Jabril was a kind of hybrid player. He, he played was. That he, kind, I mean, there you can he you cannot that say that any position. other way. Yes. Yeah, he was that star where it's that safety linebacker. Hey, I'm a safety, I'm going to come back. That's why he had an interception to his total that year. But he was also a safety to hey, I'm going to come up and be that linebacker type of player also, where I think, with me personally, Devin Bush is going to be more of that, I am a linebacker, I am not a safety like Jabril Peppers. But I look at the size and I go, if you're going to play him at the line like a linebacker, it's going to kind of be like Jabril Peppers because they are similar in size. And their stats in college, their junior year, their last year, are eerily similar. You're right, uh, and, and really the only thing where you see that uh, Devin Bush has gone down this year mm-hmm. is his assisted tackles. He he was really he was only down three uh, solo tackles, but you want to I guess you just want to see him be in on more plays. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying, not on the field, but be in in more plays mm-hmm. in terms of what's happening in the action around yeah. the ball where you can where you can be there. I'm not talking go into the secondary mm-hmm. and you know get the guy there, but. Uh, but that, but that's what I'm saying. That's where I'm just, I'm just not quite as sold as a guy like Mel Kuyper is, or clearly even as high as you might be mm-hmm. on him in terms of this big board. But there is room to possibly still get up there. There's guys that we haven't even talked about that mm-hmm. there's room to get into the big board. It's all about also now what is happening from here on out mm-hmm. and what happens in the bowl games <laughs> that I just love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what what happens in the off season. What happens. At the combine, what happens with all of that? This is just a small piece. It's 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 the second one, but it's just a small piece. Well, and also, and this is the last thing I'll say is the thing that might af- that might affect Devin Bush in this draft more so than any other draft that we've seen since the I want to say it was the it was oh, was it the J it was the uh, JV yeah, it was the Clowny draft is what I'm thinking of. Because this draft class is so defensively heavy, we are going to – like, 
if you're looking for a linebacker, you're going to say, all right, do we go with Devin Bush? Do we go with Josh Allen? Do we go with the Devin White? Like, there are multiple guys. Oh, do we go with uh, Brian Burns? Like, there are multiple guys in this draft class that you're going to split hairs against. And I know us outside of the big board, we're most likely going to have a topic at one point where we take Josh Allen and Devin Bush and put them 1v1 versus, all right, we're comparing these two prospects. or like a Devin Bush and a Devin White and kind of look at them because that's a lot of what this is too is, do you like Josh Allen more than this one? Totally. Do you like Devin White more than this one? And where do you have them personally ranked? Any final thoughts on anything we didn't have planned to talk about before we move into 6 through 15? No, I'm good. This is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. Let us know what do you think of our big board. What are some guys we didn't touch? What do you think of the guys we did touch down below in that comment section? And, Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. And that'll be it. I say next topic. It's the big board. We're moving yeah. in. Yeah, it's to the same topic. 15. I'm just so used to, hey, let's move on to our next topic. Yep. No, let's yep. just move on into the next bracket, which will be 6 through 15. If you're joining us on YouTube, what are you doing? You didn't check out the first one? I'll try to put, if I rem- if future me remembers, I'll try to put it up there above Brandon. Odds are I won't. Or odds are I'll be like, damn it, I didn't get to do that, and I'll do it like two days later. But future me, you got to remember to do that for the people. But Brandon, we're going to, how we're going to do this is like we do like always. We'll list off our 6 through 15, who we got from 15 to 6, and then we will talk about the key guys, some key positions we're going to talk about for this area of our big board. Being the gracious host that I am, I will let you go first. Give us your 6 through 15. Well, starting at 15, I've got Josh Allen, the outside linebacker from Kentucky, not the quarterback who then went back into college to come out again. Uh, At 14, Greg Little, the offensive tackle from Ole Miss. At 13, DeAndre Baker, the cornerback from Georgia. At 12, Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon. At 11, the West Virginia quarterback, Will Greer. At 10, Clellan Farrell, part of that wonderful Clemson defensive line, the defensive end. Uh, At 9, Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback from OSU. At 8, Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle from Alabama. At 7, Devin White, the linebacker from LSU. And at 6, the defensive tackle from Clemson, Dexter Lawrence. And then going right into mine, I will start with that cornerback that you had at number 13. I'm going to start with DeAndre Baker from the Georgia Bulldogs. Then at number 14, a guy we talked about in segment numero uno, Devin Bush, the linebacker from the Michigan State Wolverines, the Michigan Wolverines. Wow, Michigan fans are going to be upset that I threw in the Michigan State before Wolverines, but Michigan Wolverines, it was because I was thinking of their hated rival and who I've got at 13, Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback from the Ohio State University. Um, Number 12, Clellan Farrell, um, the defensive end from the Clemson Tigers. Then at number 11, Jonah Williams, offensive tackle from Alabama, roll tide. Then at number 10, quarterback from the Oregon Ducks, quack, quack, Justin Herbert. Then at number 9, Ole Miss, or Ole Miss offensive tackle, Greg Little. Then at number 8, the guy you had at 6, Dexter Lawrence, defensive tackle from the Clemson Tigers. Then at number 7, Josh Allen, the linebacker from the Kentucky Wildcats. And then rounding everything out for my 6 through 15, at number 6, Rashawn Gary, the defensive end from the Michigan Wolverines. And the first thing I want to look at, and I know that I have to say this, Brandon, 
there are going to be a few people that get up, get upset at us for this next conversation we are going to have because we all know we've hit the nail on the head. We've beat the dead horse. This is not the strongest of quarterback classes. We know that. I don't have to say that over and can, over. Can I just make really quick mention? Go ahead. Is that when they say strong quarterback classes, do they say use the word strong in terms of there's a lot or do they use the word strong in terms of these quarterbacks are really good? Because if you look at the quarterback class from this last year, oh, it was going to be a strong quarterback class. Uh-huh. I'm unimpressed. Uh, when just they... just to be honest, I mean, they're not. I'm not saying they're bad, but they're very yeah, underwhelming. But let's this put... year they've been underwhelming, and they have a lot of room to grow. And I expect that they will, but they have a lot of room to grow. The thing too, and this is no one came out when it was a Ben Roethlisberger and went like 15 and one in his. I you know, just I just want to say season. this. The Jets are shut. The Jets are basically shutting down Sam Darnold because they got no offensive weapons around him and an offensive line that can't protect him. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals baby Josh Rosen. Oh, we're down by fourteen. Let's run the ball, Josh. Let's run the ball. We'll baby you. We don't want to put you. We don't want to set you up for failure. Here, we'll deal with our kid gloves when we're holding Josh Rosen. Yeah, yeah, that's, no, I know. That's also part of the problem. Plus, with Josh Allen, he was injured this year. As well, Lamar Jackson probably looked like but the do you, best. Rookie. But do you know what I'm saying? I, it's like, I get, oh, we have a lot, so I it's a really saying. strong well, quarterback class. What they're saying is, and I kind of right now am saying this, and I've made this comparison before, is right now I look at this quarterback class, and it might be only because of Justin Herbert, because Dwayne Haskins might go back, and we'll talk about that in a second. This might be a minor step up from the EJ Manuel class where we had, e- <laughs> yeah. we had EJ Manuel, Geno Smith was in that class, the ginger giraffe Mike Glennon was in that class, Matt Sparkles Barkles after he went back to college and came back was in that class. Remember Ryan Nassib? He was going to be the yeah. guy for the Giants, then Tyler Wilson, Landry Jones, he got cut from the Steelers this past year um, before this season. We also had Brad Sorison. Remember him from Southern Utah. I'll be honest, I don't. Um, Zach Di- Desert, the Miami, Ohio guy. Everyone's like, oh, he'll be the next Big Ben because he's from Miami of Ohio. And then BJ Daniels from South Florida and Sean Renfrey from the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, it doesn't scream a great quarterback class to me. Oh, and I forgot about Jeff Tull from Washington State who went undrafted and signed with the. Buffalo Bills. So that's what I think of right now when I think of this draft class. But the thing I want to ask you about is quarterbacks. And people are going to get upset because they're going to say, guys, this is such a rich defensive class. What are we doing talking about the quarterbacks? Well, the league rides and the league, meaning the NFL, rides and dies on quarterbacks. And there are teams that need quarterbacks. So, of course, we're going to talk about quarterbacks in this segment because this is where we have most of ours. I've got my only two quarterbacks here. You have your three quarterbacks in this range from 6 to 15. We're going to look at each of them, but the first guy I want to start with is Justin Herbert. And the big thing, and you could say this about Dwayne Haskins too, the question is, will he come out? Will he declare for the draft? Because there are kind of lingerings and some voices coming through the grapevine that are saying he's probably going to come back for a senior year. And before I ask you if he should or shouldn't, I want to throw this at you. Player A, player B, 
I will tell you player B is Justin Herbert and who I'm going to compare him to. Player one, also Pac-12 quarterback, in his junior year, threw for 2,800 yards. He completed 58% of his passes, um, threw 21 touchdowns, 11 INTs, a 130 passer rating. Justin Herbert, this last year, almost a 3,000-yard passer. He had 29.85, 28 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 59%, almost 60% of his passes completed, 147.7 quarterback passer rating. Now, the first guy I mentioned, obviously, Justin Herbert, this is his junior year. The guy that I just mentioned at player A was a quarterback junior We thought he was going to come out. He did not. He came back for a senior year. That senior year, he threw for 6,000 yards or 600 yards less. He was a 22. 6,000 yards. 600. Uh, 2265 was his final passes. He had 3% knocked off of his completion percentage. He was a 55 uh, completion passer, 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 124% passer rating in the same amount of games, 12. That quarterback, if you guys at home want to play, uh, pause it, put it in the comment section who you think it is. I'll wait. Jake Locker. That's who it was. It was Jake Locker. The guy who coming, if he would have came out junior year, would have been a lot higher than he was his senior year. And that was also because I believe... If my memory is serving me right, and I will check this while you are talking, that the 2010 quarterback class was stronger than the 2009 quarterback class. With that comparison being made, I'm going to ask you this. In your heart of hearts, should Justin Herbert declare for the draft this year or stay at Oregon for a senior year? Well, here's here's what I really think is that I'll just go right ahead and say it. I think he should stay for his senior year. I have him right here, but mm-hmm. I really think he should stay for his senior year. And the reason for that is because while he's very good, great arm, athleticism, the guy is a really good quarterback and a great talent. He is still so raw. He is still so raw. And I think that there is so much refining that can be done with him that if he stays his senior season, There is a very good opportunity for him to grow, for him to get better now while in college, uh, be able to do some of that refining. And then once it's time to go NFL, he is one of the top quarterbacks, as opposed to just being some guy who is, yeah, he's good. He's going to be right here in the middle. Possibly by staying, he could give himself a chance for a top five pick. Mm -hmm. And I am, I'll be completely honest, I... Mixed up the draft classes. So his draft class was the 2011. Yep, 2011 was when he was drafted. First off, by the way, before the comment section um, calls me an idiot. They um, will anyways. Just continue. So <laughs> remember how I said I remember the 2009 draft class being a weak quarterback class? Do you want to know the first three quarterbacks off the board? Yeah, sure. Matthew Stafford, number one. Mm-hmm. Mark Sanchez at number five. Josh Freeman at 17. 
Coming out of college, those were three good quarterbacks. Josh Freeman didn't pan out. Mark Sanchez was pretty good with the Jets before he fumbled his career away. And Matthew Stafford is still a starter for the Detroit Lions. But 2010 would have been the year. So 2010 would have been the year Jake Locker came out. That class included, now just list off the top five drafted. Sam Bradford was number one. Jake Locker wasn't going to touch Sam Bradford. However... Guess who went number two in terms of quarterbacks? To the Denver Broncos. Timmy Tebow. Tim Tebow. You're telling me Jake Locker would have been drafted before Tim Tebow? I think he would have. He. We also saw Jimmy Clausen was in that draft class. Colt McCoy was in that Girls, draft class. You have to also remember you're a Tim Tebow hater. Yeah, but I... Think that I think that Jake Locker can throw the ball better than Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow's throwing mechanics were horrible. Let's be honest. Like, but the guy scored touchdowns. Yeah, he, he found was a ways, gamer and he was he a winner. Found we ways to score touchdowns. We get it. He was a gamer. And, and like I said, Tim Tebow hater. He's but, a better uh, baseball player than he is a football player. But here's the draft class he came out. He in. he he did pretty well though when he was in the NFL. How did Jake Locker do? Jake Locker, here's the thing. How did Jake so, Locker do when he was he in the NFL? Did not do well. Thank you. And that's Tim Tebow won a playoff game. Here, <laughs> oh, he won a playoff game. What, so, no, but it goes here, back to what did Jake Locker do? Here, he did zero thing. things. Here's the thing. Here's the, and I mean with Jake Locker, it's a little different because the only one that he had to compete with, like Cam Newton, was the number one pick in the class that he came out. The three that were drafted was Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, and Christian Ponder were the other quarterbacks. The next two drafted after them, Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick, had better careers than the first three. But Justin Herbert is, I think what magnifies this for him is this is a different situation. And what makes this situation different is I'm going to pull Dwayne Haskins into this conversation now. Dwayne Haskins is a sophomore but can technically declare for this draft because he's been in college for three years or out of high school for three years. Let's say Dwayne Haskins, after one year of being a starter, says, no, I'm going to come back. That makes Justin Herbert's decision then, to me, even harder. Because what do you want to do? Do you want to then come out, clearly be the number one quarterback, get drafted to a team like, let's be honest, to the Giants or the Jaguars, those are the top two quarterback needy teams, unless someone else trades up in the draft and then be able to work with NFL coaches to develop yourself? Or do you want to come back and then put yourself in the running? Because let's be honest, if Dwayne Haskins comes back to college, Justin Herbert to me would then be the third best quarterback in 2020. Cause this is how it would go Tua Tunga Viola, Dwayne Haskins after another year, Justin Herbert. That's how the order would go as we would start the quarterback rankings for 2020. And I think we'd be looking at three very good quarterbacks. I think we'd be looking at three very good quarterbacks, and Justin Herbert would be right up there with mm-hmm. the other two. And I know that some people will say, well, Tua and and Dwayne have really put themselves up there in a 1-2 category of them of their own mm-hmm. with everyone else kind of falling way behind them. But I don't think Justin Herbert is falling way behind them. I, I think that... What Herbert did throughout this season, and I think that with what he has done just in coming from where he was to now this year, Mm -hmm. it's an incredible step. 
in the right direction, a big leap, mm-hmm. honestly, in the right direction. And he does have so many skills. He he doesn't. I don't. I don't even necessarily think that he. He doesn't probably need to throw it as much as guys like Dwayne Haskins have thrown it this year for Ohio State, where I feel like Dwayne Haskins was throwing it 60 times a game for mm-hmm. a couple of times there. Justin Herbert and and, and, and the Oregon team, I, I feel like, have maybe a little bit better balance mm-hmm. than what Ohio State has. You can correct me if I'm wrong in the comment section. I know you will. But <laughs> I, I just there's there's some really good things here with Justin Herbert and what he is able to do. But I also do believe that a year back in college could help him to, like I said before, help him to refine some of his his things that he needs to work on with number one of those still with me. And I said this on the big board the first time is that mm-hmm. he probably needs to do a better job of decision making. He needs to do a better job of when he goes through his progressions, not mm-hmm. always falling on that first guy and not panicking and not panicking. If you have if, mm-hmm. if you if you have to continue to go through your progressions and look at option two, option three. And and not then taking a sack or mm-hmm. throwing an interception. I'm going to ask you this, and this is kind of it didn't work like this for Jake Locker, who I brought in. Where Jake Locker, if he would have came out after junior year, let's just say he goes to Denver, which was already had a playoff roster, already had a overall roster that made. That made the playoffs with Team Tebow, I think, would have made the playoffs with Jake Locker instead of going to Tennessee, who was a higher pick, didn't have that great of a roster at the time, was a definitely different team than we have right now in Tennessee. Should that play into the decision as well? Where Justin Herbert, let's say he goes to the Giants or the Jaguars this year, which, let's be honest, if he falls on that Jaguars team, That'd be a match made in heaven because he's way better than Blake Bortles. Even that Giants team is not a bad team. They've got pieces there. They've got playmakers. They they have got a lot of playmakers. Or would it be who of him to say, hey, I will come back because I don't care if I'm behind Tua and Dwayne because even if I'm the third best quarterback and I go in the first round, I'm going to a playoff team. However, the catch-22 then is, yeah, you go to a playoff team, but what if it's like a Patriots situation where it's like, oh, if I would have went to the Jaguars or Giants, I'd be starting right now. But now I got to wait for this veteran either to get hurt or retire. Would you be upset to play behind Tom Brady and learn from Tom Brady? <sighs> well, if he was going to be willing to to teach you exactly. anything, I would. If I was Justin Herbert, and I know that the college decision, it's also like the thing we got to think about with colleges. It's just like the fans. There's a connection. So, like, there might be a connection to where, hey, I want to win a Pac-12 title. I want to get to the playoff with this Oregon team. I think we can do it. I'm going to come back for that. He could be thinking that. But me, without that connection, I would come out this year because I would want to be – I would want to start in the NFL as quick as possible. And when you've got quotes like this from Mel Kuyper where Herbert is – the guy in this draft class. I don't. You could take that however you want. The I the air quotes were italicized. The guy. I don't know if that's Mel Kiper saying he is the guy. I don't know if that's Mel Kiper saying, well, yeah, he's the guy because this draft class is weak at quarterback. But I, in every sense, would say, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a higher pick this year, 
and maximize everything than coming back to school. But if he can't, but if he came back to school, I wouldn't chastise him for it. If that makes any sense. No, I completely agree. I, I think that it's 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 all about at the end of the day, as it is mm-hmm. for everybody. What do you want to do? What do you believe is going to be best for mm-hmm. you, your future, your career? Um, and being able to to make the most money for you and have the have the most success. And there are guys who, you know, before they wouldn't come out because they didn't want to go to the Cleveland Browns or they yeah. didn't want to go to this team or they didn't want to go to that team. So, okay, I'll stay because mm-hmm. I, I am not going to afford my career to be ruined by going to the Cleveland Browns. And that was a time mm-hmm. before. Now I think if you were going to the Cleveland Browns, it would be like, all right, I, I want to go this. to the Cleveland Browns. This looks like a team that's really on the rise. Last two questions I got with the quarterbacks away from Justin Herbert. First one, Dwayne Haskins. Same question I asked about Justin. Should he come back or should he stay? Or should he stay in school? Should he declare for the draft? Dwayne Haskins, I mean, this is a guy who is so good. And he could definitely come out and, and, and I think, make an impact for a team. But he's going to stay. Mm-hmm. And this is why I think so is because I think that he saw what what Ohio State did this year, mm-hmm. where they went from on their high horse top of you know top of the perch to lose to Purdue to oh everything's over to as usual beat Michigan everything's back on board mm-hmm. to win Big Ten championship game and be just steps away from possibly being in the playoff. He wants to take his team to a playoff. Well, and not just that. I am on this case with Dwayne Haskins. I am on the sense of come back to school. And the reason why I say that is for a guy like Justin Herbert, he's been a two year at least like a two year at least starter. Where 2017 he was a starter, it got cut short because he had the collarbone injury, and then he played the 12 games this year. Where basically, to me, if Dwayne Haskins came out after this year, you know who I would compare him to? Cardell Jones. First year starter, leaves after one like leaves after one year of starting. I'm on my high horse. I'm in the playoff. I know Dwayne Haskins not in the playoff, but Ohio State was on a high horse at the end of the year. I'm gonna go out and into the NFL draft. How did that necessarily work for Cardell Jones? Not that great because he still needed a lot of work. Where Dwayne Haskins, I would say come back Get that second year as a start. Because look at all the guys. I know you criticized them a little bit, poking fun at them uh, earlier in the segment about the guys who was drafted this year. But take a look at them. Sam Darnold, at least a two-year starter. Josh Rosen, at least a two-year starter. Baker Mayfield, at least a two-year starter. Josh Allen, at least a two-year starter. When you can have that, like even Jameis Winston, who I can't stand, who I think is a garbage Tampa Bay fans come at me. I think is a garbage quarterback at the NFL and would not want him anywhere near my team, mainly because of his it's decision making, not because for other of his play on the field. He came out after as a redshirt sophomore, but he had two years as a starter with the Florida State Seminoles. That's why for Dwayne Haskins, I would personally come back. Last quarterback question I want to ask you before we move on into a linebacker, Will Greer. Let's say Herbert and Haskins go back. If you're the Giants, and I know this is kind of a mock question, but I'm pulling it in anyways because neither Mark or Mark and I next week are going to mock Will Greer to either of these teams. Giants are currently Giants are currently at seven. Jags are currently at nine. 
Niners don't need a quarterback. Ra- Raiders don't need a quarterback. Jets don't. Cardinals don't. Lions don't. Falcons don't. If Haskins and Herbert go back to college, if you're the Giants or the Jags, would you pull the trigger on Will Greer with the seventh or the ninth pick in the NFL draft? I would. I sure would. I really like Will Greer. I really like Will Greer a lot. He's a big quarterback, big arm. He can find his man, and he loves his main man over Mm -hmm. in West Virginia. He's a guy who sometimes, again, decision-making, you look at and you go, hmm, why the heck would he do that? (laughs) Um, But but I I think overall he's got a lot of good – he's got a great skill set. He's got uh, some, some great intangibles. I'm a I'm a big fan, and I know that I know that someone might say, and, mm-hmm. and it, it's a fair point, a fair question. How would he fare in a system that is not hell bent on passing all the time? With obviously him coming from the, the big, big the Big Twelve primarily, with a stint in Florida, mm-hmm. but this is also a team. If you notice, West Virginia, they were a team that did put the ball on the, on, on the ground in terms of running the football a number of times throughout the season and had some success. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they threw the football more almost all the time, but with the ball in his hands, the guy is lethal. For the Giants, you're looking for someone who can get the ball to Odell Beckham, who can get the ball down the field, who's not afraid to take those shots. Mm-hmm. Will Greer is not afraid to take a shot, and he's got the arm to do it. For Jacksonville, they would be excited to have a guy who can hold the ball in his hands, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, because it's just been hey, man. it's Cody, just been so bad. Cody Kessler won them a game, man. It was only six to nothing, but Cody Kessler won them a game at the uh, quarterback position. The no, he didn't. <laughs> the uh, the defense won them that game, and the referee helped them at the end of the game. Andrew Luck, but, his first shutout as starting quarterback of the Colts. But I think that you know overall this would be a guy who if I'm if I'm the Jags, mm-hmm. if I am the Giants, I am saying please 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 come <laughs> to us because truly I I think that there's there's a lot to like with Will Greer mm-hmm. again, big guy, big quarterback. Big guy. And and uh and someone who definitely has a strong arm and uh good good accuracy when when throwing to his to his guys. That could be a match made in heaven if he went to the New York Giants, and if he was one of the only options for this year. You know, if like you said, if mm-hmm. it's scenario where these other two quarterbacks go back into to college, they stay in school, mm-hmm. and Greer is out, that would not. I wouldn't even feel like you're taking the the leftovers. Mm-hmm. You know, I would feel like you're 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 getting a winner, and you're getting a guy who you might go after anyways. Here's. What I think before we get into the defensive side is right now, and this is before I've dissected and kind of looked at these guys and kind of kind of Ron Jaworski'd it, locked myself in a room and just kind of had my eyes open like this and just watched film after film after film. Um, right now, I think he's to me a second round. He's an early second round guy. Like if I was the Giants, pass on him at seven. I'll get him early in the second round or. He's a Lamar Miller type of guy. And when I say that, fall, falls all the way until that like late 20s, early 30s, I'll trade up and get that option on him. I'll trade up, get that fifth-year option, and draft him in the first round. That may change, though, as I dissect these players, look at more film. I'm just going off of what I've seen this year because the decision for the Giants, let's say Herbert and Haskins, 
go bye bye and go do co- go back to college. The decision for these quarterback needy teams at the top, mainly the Giants and the Jags, will be this then. Do we? I'm gonna for me semi reach on a Will Greer because you're right. He's got all like the arm strength. He's got the pocket presence. He's got the mobility. He's got all the tools that I like. The main thing that I think which is his biggest con is that his mechanics aren't the greatest. So for me, you're going to draft him and you're really going to work on him. He's not going to be a guy that steps in and is phenomenal. He's like he's not like a Sam Darnold where we're like he is pro ready, he's going to step in and he's going to be fine. You're going to have to work with him a little bit. You're going to have to get those mechanics down at the next level. And that's why for me right now, I feel like pass on him. There's no one else in the first round right now that I think would take a quarterback. And then I would pounce on him, either trade up if the trade is right late in the first round or take him in the second round. Do you have a rebuttal to that before we move on? And, you know, I, I, I don't uh, really. I think that when you really get into the, the, the mechanics part, if you really want to talk mechanics mm-hmm. and you want to get really in nitty gritty, I think that's a longer conversation Way longer. that I don't think that we have the time <laughs> to have right now. But I, I, I am understanding of the fact that a team may say, well, he doesn't have your prototypical, mm-hmm. you know, fluid motion mechanics. I mean, we see all the time, you know, but are he's they not as bad are they, as Tim Tebow. Are they coming out from, from you know, are they, they are they over the top? Are they, you know, you got Matt Stafford mm-hmm. doing these sidearm BSs or, all the time. Like but, I mentioned, the I mean, Tim Tebow you know, clockwork motion. Yeah, so it's it's like that you can get into mm-hmm. and again we will one day, but uh, it's not going to be today. But I, I understand where you're at with mm-hmm. that. But again, I don't think it's I don't think it's especially a team that needs a quarterback so badly. And it's a it's a year like this year where two quarterbacks who are really good, but they stay in school. And Will Greer's kind of the guy that you're looking at. Again, you know, other people have talked about the quarterback from Duke. I, I like I like Will Greer better. And mm-hmm. I, I think that he could be someone that one of those two teams, Jaguars or Giants, say, okay, we're going to pluck him first round. Now to end this one, and this is going to be a meaty part because this will probably be our longest segment of the podcast. Let's move into the defensive guy, a guy I want to look at very similar to a guy we talked about in Devin Bush, and that is Josh Allen, not the quarterback in Buffalo, the linebacker with the Kentucky Wildcats. I say similar to Devin Bush because I'm going to map it out the same way. I had him at 7. You had him at 15. I was probably a little bit higher on him than you. Mine may be a little bit of taming expectations. And I'm bringing Mel back in. Todd, 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 Todd. I'm bringing him back into the conversation because Josh Allen, he had him at number Four And when I saw that, I went, whoa, Mel, what are you doing? My first thought was, was I sleeping on this kid the first time? Like, was I sleep? Like, like, I had to rub my eyes. I'm like, am I, was I missing something the first time? And just to read a little snippet of what Mel's got, um, he said, I pegged Allen before the season as a potential day two pick. So second round, as he broke out in 2017 with seven sacks and 66 tackles and an interception. He's an underrated he's he's been underrated in this class and now has a chance to be a top 10 pick. What are your thoughts on Josh Allen coming into this draft class and 
kind of projecting how high do you think he will rise? Because I feel like this is the beginning of the rise for Josh Allen. And if he does it right, it's just going to go up and up and up by the time we get to draft day. Yeah, it is the beginning of the rise for Josh Allen. I really like Josh Allen. I think that he is a great player. I mean, if you just look at one stat alone on Josh Allen from this last year, it's 14 freaking sacks. 14 sacks. This guy was swallowing up quarterbacks in the backfield. That's huge. Eating tackle for, breakfast, tackle for a loss. Tackle for a loss. He had eight more tackle mm-hmm. for losses. Tackles for losses this year than he did last year. And this year he had 18 and a half. He upped his total tackle total. He's also forced five fumbles. I mean, this is a guy... And recover too. This is a guy who <laughs> is going to be a huge threat for whatever team that he's on. Mm-hmm. And this is a player that is just so dominant in his position mm-hmm. that you don't see necessarily come around every single day. This is going to be a big get. For whoever's able to grab him. He is going... This, to me, Josh Allen, I'm already pegging him. He's going to be a guy that I know, like Mel Kuyper said, oh, he could be a top 10 pick. I'm going to say this. He could be a top 5 pick. And the reason why I say that is I know the order is definitely going to change by the time we get to the end of the year. But just take take a walk with me, if you may. The 49ers, the Raiders, the Jets, the Cardinals... The Lions, the Falcons. Nick Bosa is your number one pass rush. Take him off the board. So whether that's the 49ers, whether that's the Raiders, he'll be off the board. Any of those other teams from the Raiders to the Falcons right now, if they look at that, and I know the Raiders are one of them because John Gruden trades away Khalil Mack, but then week one of the season says they would have won if they had a pass rush, which blows my mind. This could be a guy that right now he's the second or third. I mean, I've got Rashawn Gray uh, or Gary ahead of him, so technically the third pass rusher on my rankings right now. One of these teams, I would think, is going to say, it's not our biggest need, but we can't pass this up, especially in this league where the quarterback on offense is so important. You need a guy that's going to get there. And the thing I love most about him is his best trait is that burst and how he can bend through. Like, I was watching film today, Brandon. Like, he'd get that burst off the line. The offensive lineman would get a nice stance, and he would just contort his body, Mr. Like, stretch Armstrong around the guy, and then would get to the quarterback. The only thing that's his worst trait that I think is the easiest to teach is his counters. How do you counter a good tackle, a good offensive lineman at the next level? A good coach can teach that. You can't teach that burst and that bending ability that he's shown this year. Well, that's, I mean, that's why you you look at at a guy like Roquan Smith Mm -hmm. when he was coming out of Georgia. How he rose. And how he rose and how he was so quick. So quick in his moves and his speed that he was able to get off the edge. That was impressive. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why you continue to see him rise in in terms of, I mean, 
our big board in terms of seven, in terms eight. of other in terms of other big boards and mm-hmm. in, in terms of mock drafts. I mean, people started to see that. Gosh, this guy is he is fast for the position mm-hmm. he's playing. He is crafty for the position well, he's playing, and and I think that we're seeing some of the same things here with Allen. I'm even going to throw this out too. I mean, you look at a guy like Marcus Davenport, who's currently with the. New Orleans Saints. He was a guy, defensive end, in many of our big boards. We had him like, oh, he's going to be sub-15, like 16 through 25. And the mock drafts, oh, he's going to be late 20s probably because of, or early 20s because of team needs. The Saints go up and trade for him and get him at 14. They say, hey, Packers, we'll give you a first-round pick. We're going to take this guy on the end because we need a guy who can get after quarterbacks. Like, he, Josh Allen will be a guy either that falls into the Roquan Smith category of he's going to rise and rise and rise because the team's going to go, hey, man, we need to get after quarterbacks. Or a team that's a playoff team is going to trade up for him because they're going to see, hey, how do we get to that next level, especially the Saints. Like, they were a team coming off of that Minnesota miracle they needed something. And they're like, we're not going to let offenses beat us next year. They go out and trade up for a defensive guy where I could see a playoff team maybe doing that and maybe Josh Allen's the guy they trade up for. I just want to say, too, is look at what he's done in terms of his progression mm-hmm. year by year. Is that obviously his freshman season, he only had three games, had, you know, you know, very minimal there. But then in his sophomore campaign, he was in 13 games, 62 total tackles, eight and a half tackles for a loss, seven sacks. Junior year, 13 games. He upped it. Sacks stayed the same, but tackles for a loss are up. And then obviously his senior year, senior season, has mm-hmm. the best season out of all of them. And that makes you wonder, this guy just keeps getting better and better and better here in college. Mm-hmm. What's he going to continue to do at when he gets up to the next level in the NFL? And that's what's, I think, really impressive. That's also what is probably going to have a lot of scouts excited to see what he does in the bowl game and excited to see what he does in terms of the combine. Because if you're seeing all of this from him, plus plus he, he has an, a stellar combine, man, that's going to that's gonna make a scout fall in love. Mm-hmm. And just to... Hmm. I'm not going to make the comparison, but I am going to throw this out there. I mean, you look at a guy, he's now in his fourth year in the NFL, who was the last linebacker I remember us seriously scouting from the University of Kentucky, Alvin Bud Dupree, who's from the Steelers, who in four years now has, let's see, one interception, got it this year, but 123 combined tackles, 90 solo tackles, and 29 tackles for loss last year had 12, his most, at the next level in the NFL in 15 games. So that kind of remind, like, made me think back to, oh, I remember scouting Bud Dupree from uh, Kentucky. One last thing I want to bring up, and this is just me, kind of a throwaway thing here at the end. I just want to quickly mention the two offensive tackles, um, Greg Little and Jonah Williams, because to me it's going to be interesting to see – how these two, how the storyline progresses throughout. Because to me, Greg Little's a guy, he's your left tackle. You're going to draft him to be your left tackle 
Whereas Jonah Williams, I'm thinking he's a tackle right now. He's probably going to shift inside to guard and the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see which one goes first. I have Greg Little right now ranked a little bit above Williams only because that left tackle, that blindside tackle is so crucial, especially when you got all these pass rushers coming at you. So that's why I have Greg Little a little bit higher, but it'll be interesting to see as the process goes along if these guys interchange, do some teams go, no, we're going to take Williams because we're going to play him at tackle, or will he slide into guard? I just wanted to throw that quickly out there before we move into one through five. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think. This was a lengthy segment, but like I said, this will probably be our longest segment of the big board. Let us know what you think about these quarterbacks. Let us know what you think about Josh Allen down below in that comment section. But, Brandon, let's close out the podcast, giving our one through five for our big board. If you've been chugging along on podcast services around the world, thank you. That was a really long middle segment, and this will be probably a shorter one is there's less guys to talk about. I mean, yeah, there's two. 10, 10, and now, I mean, five people for this one, so less to pick from from us. If you're on YouTube, make sure to go check out the other two, the first two segments from our big board. And, Brandon, before we get into the exact prospects we're going to look at for this third and final segment, I will start with you because I am a gracious host and a gentleman. What's your one through five for our big board? At number five, Rashawn Gary, the defensive end from Michigan. At number four, Greedy Williams, the cornerback from LSU. At three, the defensive tackle from Houston, who will only fight his coach when it's cold outside and he's got a big puffy jacket on. Ed Oliver. At number two, Quinnen Williams, the defensive tackle from Alabama. And at number one, Nick Bosa, defensive end from the Ohio State. Yeah, man. I mean, when it's cold, you got to have that jacket. It's real cold. And I, I like how there's people like... Really, to me, that didn't, like, don't come at me. I'm sarcastic when I say that. Um, don't really mean that as a bad thing. But it was just funny that it's like, really? We're going to fight over a jacket, guys? We're really going to fight? Like, this is the molehill that both of you want to die on. This is the molehill. Applegate. Apparently. On, apparently. He wants to show him who's boss because he doesn't want to play. But my top five... Ed Oliver, the guy we were just talking about, at number five, defensive tackle for the Houston Cougars. Then at number four, Devin White, linebacker from the LSU Tigers. Then at number three, Quinnen Williams, the defensive tackle from Alabama Roll Tide. Then at number two, Greedy Williams, the cornerback from LSU. And then at number one, the injured Nick Bosa, defensive end from the Ohio the State The injured is no longer in college, yeah, Nick no Bosa. No longer in college, but... The first guy I want to start with, Brandon, is Ed Oliver. And the reason why is, if I remember, future Ricky puts it above Brandon's head. Um, on the onside kick, Mark and I looked at Ed Oliver to Nick Bosa and kind of looked between them. Who's going to be, who should be the number one pick? Kind of what do we think between them? And Mark put out an interesting conversation, one that has started to catch some steam moving forward, and that's the fact that because of the weight of Ed Oliver, because most sites list him at 290, 292, there's much more, like Mel Kuyper said, um, he's closer to 275 than the 290-plus in which he is listed. 
Many people are saying they don't know if he's going to be able to play inside because if he's 6'3", 275, that's not big enough to play defensive tackle in the NFL. And then on top of it, people go, well, if he plays outside, he doesn't have the pass rush moves that you need to live on the outside. So with me, I have him drop. He dropped from yours because he was number two last week or last time we did it. Even in Mel Kuyper, he is now the number eight prospect on Mel Kuyper's big board. I want to ask you, are we all overreacting to this one thing? Or is there kind of some fuel to this fire why Ed Oliver is dropping on most big boards? You know what? I, I, I think that probably big boards in general are just overreactions mm-hmm. up or down for the entire True. thing. It's whatever um, so, you like better. Exactly. So that's what I, I'd say. It's probably just a bit of an overreaction. I think if you take that away, you still have a guy who's got some really good first-step quickness, a guy who can get you know get out of his uh you know, break and get out of his block really, really well, really quick, and, and get to the quarterback. Wrap up a mm-hmm. running back for a loss. Uh, he's he's a guy in college who's been, if you look at his seasons, just very consistent, very consistent. Didn't go high up or high down um, when you're looking season to season. Uh, it's also a guy who has great strength. Uh, th- these are all things, of course, that he needs to needs to have on uh, in his position in, in football. But mm-hmm. the the strength that he has is is really incredible and, and helps allow him to get you know again uh, uh, the edge against his defender. He's he's a guy who is um, again I, I think a great talent and one that you can yes sit here and debate all day long is one one thing and what mm-hmm. one you know some could say is one ticky tack thing really going to be the huge difference between whether he's at this spot or at this spot and mm-hmm. the answer would probably be, yeah it probably will be but right now i don't think that that's a major thing i think as long as he can do all the all the things like in terms of what i'm trying talking some quickness mm-hmm. speed um strength all those things as long as those things are still there and the core is there the outside you can look at and say you could probably change this a little bit easier Mm -hmm. than what you could over here well and one of the things i do want to bring up because like i said mark and i had that discussion nick bosa compared to ed oliver and i want to give some love to legion Smokey, who commented on that video and he said People said the same thing about Aaron Donald, saying he's too small, but look at him now. And the reason why I bring that up is even in his description, Mal Kuyper says that the same thing I've said, which is the big criticism, he's smaller than what's listed, he hasn't developed consistent pass rush moves, and he. the next line is, that's why I have always said the comparison to Aaron Donald was unfair. And to me... I don't necessarily think this will be an Aaron Donald situation. Like, I don't know if, let's say he is 275 because he's technically listed at 295. I mean, let's be honest. On my, oh, it's in my pocket. I'm going to actually do this live on the podcast. I'm going to pull out my wallet um, and I'm going to pull out my license really quick. And look at the weight on my license. It is technically wrong. They did update it. 250. Do you think I'm 250, Brandon? Uh, Do you think I am 5'5"? Five, five, technically, I'm 5'5", five, five, 250. Do you think that's true? Yes. No, I am 5'7", 275. 
I just haven't changed it because I don't know why I haven't changed the height. Like that's my height from like, what would that be when I was a 16 year old? So really, uh, that's not that good. I've only grown two no. inches. No, it's not. Junior year of high school. No, it's not. But I've gained quite a bit of weight since I've gone. To yeah, that's twenty twenty one. I was two fifty. Um, this one I am only two seventy five. Thought I got a Siri thing. Like remember last week I yeah. said something on the podcast and my Siri went off. But that to me is the same thing here. Like he could be. 292, but we don't know. Like, some people are saying that he's 275. And I, I, I don't know if he, like, let's say he is 275. Is he going to be able to get to that 292 at the least to play defensive tackle in the NFL? Because if you're 275, you ain't playing defensive tackle. Offensive linemen will do this, and they'll be able to hold you back. You'll be so small inside. You need to be bigger when you're running through, kind of fill up those gaps that the runners can't get through. Yeah, I mean, I I I understand that, and I'm hearing that. But I think that again, on something like that, that's a that's something where a guy I think could he could change some things mm-hmm. to be able to make that that add happen. Some weight that weighs or add some muscle that weighs more. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say that. Oh, he can just you know go out here and you know go and eat. Uh, uh, Two Thanksgiving meals, and you know not he's, he's got it. it not so. going to do what Chad Johnson was doing, practicing for. Uh, I think it was, it was late in his career. He was in practicing. He's just eating McDonald's, and he's like, "It don't matter. I'm working it off." You don't. You don't think Ed Oliver's going to do that? Grab a couple McRibs, eat a couple McRibs, kind of game. Well, that he probably weight. should. You know, it's only for a you know certain <laughs> mm-hmm. time uh, while supplies last. But um, I, I just, I, you know, it it, it doesn't affect me and or or, or mm-hmm. really get to me as is it may with other people oh well we can't he, he's out of the discussion would you, he's too small out now, of the discussion i i that, that's not something that really i look at and go yeah he'd really be out of the discussion well, for me and let me pull in the guy the other guy that we were going to talk about and the reason why i'm pulling him in is because you have him at two above that oliver on your board yeah. i was going to ask the question well if nick Bo- let's say you're the raiders Nick Bosa gets taken off the board. Do you just go next best player at Oliver? But I would think that question would be no, because you have Quinn and Williams as your second best. And if you were thinking defensive tackle, I would think that you personally would take Williams over at Oliver if you were thinking interior defensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, again, this isn't the the biggest guy that you're going to get on the, on the line, but he's a guy who is extremely tough, extremely strong, has mm-hmm. great strength, and he's a guy that just fights, rips, clubs, mm-hmm. you know, whatever he needs to do to try and, you know, get to the quarterback or get to the running back or get to whoever has the football. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really like what he does on the defensive front is because he does all those things and he does them very effectively. Again, you know, people will will knock him for his size, but this is just an explosive player and and one that is, is going to definitely always have an impact and certainly has for Alabama. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the LSU tape from this year, Quinn and Williams basically dominated in that game. And the thing that I, I – I'm going to say it's kind of scary with Quinn and Williams is you watch them and you're like – damn, that kid knows how to ball. And then you go, oh, that's right. He hasn't played much football. He still has room to grow. Like, 
he's going to, when he gets to the NFL, he's going to learn so much that he is just going to get better than he already is. And I got to give props to Mark Weber because on our first mock draft, I didn't have Quinn and Williams in our first mock draft. So it was right after you and I did our big board, and I was like, I don't know if I'm sold yet on Quinn and Williams. Obviously, I am now because um, he's in my top five of my big board. But I just have a feeling, and this is an inkling in my gut, that right now we've seen the flip. Most people are putting Williams ahead of Oliver in their mock drafts. And I wonder if, because Brandon and I talked about this in the first mock draft we did, and I'll throw the question at you. I know we didn't prep this question, but it shouldn't be too hard of one. And you don't have to be like, yes, this is the rock I'm going to die on. It could just be uh, your gut feeling right now. We talked about who could be that guy, like that Laramie Tunsil, that Josh Allen. Not exactly like they did, like Laramie Tunsil is because the pot smoking picture came out moments before the draft with Josh Allen. It was the inappropriate tweet that he threw out uh, or that came out right before the draft had started. And I look at it, and not because of those reasons, because of the reasons that we've talked about on this podcast, I have a feeling that Ed Oliver is going to be the guy whose stock drops by the time we get to draft. We're started out up here. And then as we get through the process, just goes down and down. I'm not saying he's going to fall out of the first round, but it could be something where, oh, wow, he was the second-best prospect and went 10th overall. and Or it could be, wow, he was the second-best prospect, went 12th overall, 13th overall. I feel like he's the one. I'm not saying he's going to go that low, but he will be the guy that we look at and go, man, when this whole draft process started, we were really high on him. And now look at where he's drafted. With you, do you think that's going to be Ed Oliver? Or is there a different guy you look at and you go, you know what? This might be a guy that has some droppability to him by the time we get to draft night. Are you talking in players in general? Or are you talking in just... Well, well, for, for me all, all, already was um, the, the fact that who did I not have in my big board this time around that I did last time? That was a running back, uh, and that was from well, Alabama. That was from Alabama, Damian, Dan, Harris. Damian Harris. And it's the fact that through the, throughout the last you know games, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of games since we did the last big board, he he wasn't being used as much. He wasn't by, even the by, leading by, by Alabama in the, in the Georgia game. No, it, it was, was Jacobs. Yeah, Jacobs. And, and the the reason. That I, I have him out is because mm-hmm. you again you can't you can't help sometimes how a team is using you mm-hmm. when he's getting in there he's certainly um, doing what he can uh, but I also think that when you're saying those two things mm-hmm. when he's getting in there yeah. doing what he can it's 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 like I'm not saying he's a bad player by any means mm-hmm. and I and I still think that that's a guy who you know someone could stretch for and get him you know. R- end of round one or in a mm-hmm. round two, possibly. Mm-hmm. But, and I know that people are probably saying, whoa, this guy needs to get off of his bowl that he's smoking. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think Damian Harris was a, was a guy that I looked at coming in with the big board to start as someone who could have been, you know, maybe, uh, for, certainly for me, he was like a middle to late big board uh, choice. Definitely has dropped out of mind there, but... 
in a more general sense, this is how we do it all the time. Mm -hmm. This is why these first couple of big boards, I'm glad you're watching, but they're useless (laughs) um, because they change so Mm -hmm. much and so often by the time we get to the final big day of draft day Mm -hmm. in April. And it's because this happens, that happens. Oh, this guy gets hurt. Oh, this guy has a great combine. Oh, this guy who was way up here sucked at the combine. Mm -hmm. I mean... That That is just it in a nutshell, though. There's so much more to go, and this is just the first glimmer. Mm-hmm. And that's why, for me, and this is a general thing, I love the draft process because the thing I love to do, and I wish I would have, I wouldn't have been so stupid to do it. So this is what we're actually going to do next year is starting with this year. I'm going to save these big boards. So, like, we can look back years down the line and be like, man, remember when we had this guy so high number one and then look at how it ended. And then you can see kind of, all right, this was my first big board. How much has it changed through? Because you and I do five of them. We're on two. We've got three more left. We do, let me pull it up the exact, because there's a kind of method to our madness here where you and I kind of do it where it's February 4th, which I believe... If I'm not mistaken, that is that one or either March 4th is around combine time. So here's what it is. February 4th is the one that happens after the championship game. So it's like the whole college season is over. What did we see different in the bowl games or in the month that are the two months we haven't done a big board? Then the... March 4th one is, all right, we've seen the combine. We've seen some personal workouts. What can we get from that? And then, honestly, our April 1st one is, all right, drafts in a month or drafts in less than a month. Brandon, what's our final one? This is, like, the one that we're locking into where, obviously, there's more mock drafts, but, like, that's our kind of big board. And it's the same for the NBA. Like, oh, here's non-conference. Here's conference play. Here's the end of the season. Here's the end of the tournament. And then here's NBA Combine, where you can kind of see how everything plays out a little bit. But like Ed Oliver, it's not going to be to me, if he does fall, it's not going to be because of something off the field. Like, I don't want people thinking, ah, he's just mad because he's on Applegate's side. Like, Applegate, he Ricky's a guy that thought that he should have given the jacket to Coach Applegate. No, I'm not like that. Like... <laughs> Whatever, like no, you my, just take the just 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 take the, the the coat off. My first thought, I'll be honest, was like, all right, are we gonna blow this up? Is this gonna be a thing? Is this gonna be a thing? Yeah, I know. Ed Oliver can't work with coaches. Don't even draft him. He can't work. He is not the player. He's a cancer in the cancer in the locker room, guys. Cancer in the locker room. Like that's what I thought in my head. I'm like, ah. Oh. Oh, we're going to blow this up so bad. Like ESPN, it's all going to be Ed Oliver this, Ed Oliver that. Luckily, it wasn't. Because I think they probably saw that, wow, that was a boring story, and LeBron probably did (laughs) something that night that they needed to cover. wow, Applegate was kind of an asshole there. Um, There's that, too. But, I mean, Ed Oliver, he's going to drop because of, like, on my big board, I like Greedy Williams better. I like Quinton Williams better. I like Devin White better. Like, this draft is so defensively heavy then at the top, it's like if you like this, if you like Williams, the cornerback, all right, he's going to be ahead of him. All right, like let's say Josh Allen, a guy we talked about, rises even higher. Well, if he jumps above Ed Oliver, I'll, obviously Ed Oliver's 
going down because somebody else has taken that spot. And and because you look at it, because it is so defensively heavy, mm-hmm. teams are so much more able to nitpick. Be, be nitpicky and say, this guy's footwork is better than this guy's. Mm-hmm. This guy is quicker, you know, you know, off the off his off his break than this guy. It's all about you supply know, and demand. That is totally it. And we're not talking about a a quarterback heavy draft class. Mm-hmm. We are talking, like you said, very much defensive heavy mm-hmm. draft class. And that is so good for so many teams who who need these defensive players. And it's also good for these for these defensive guys who are coming out because they are going to there's going to be a lot of stock being put into them and a lot of money going into their bank account. Here is the last thing I'm gonna throw at you, Brandon. Any final things you want to talk about before we end this one? I'm good. This is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. What do you think about Al Oliver? What do you think about Quinn and Williams? I know this is mostly an Ed Oliver subject with a little bit of Quinn and Williams kind of dazzled on there, kind of sprinkled on top of this Ed Oliver cake. But let us know what you guys think of that. What do you think of our whole big board? Let us know. You can hit us up on Twitter or in the comments down below. Make sure to also check us out on Patreon. That's where you can help support us so that we can bring you more of this draft coverage each and every week. You can also make sure to get yourself an MVP t-shirt. That helps support us as well. Store down below in the description. Mostvalopodcast.com is also where you can get it and catch MVP each and every day. And then last but not least, be like Tutu Boivier. Boivier. He gave us a rate and review on Wednesday. I want to thank him for the five-star rating. Make sure to go rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. I want to thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. I want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.